How about now? Ah, that means everybody I was talking to before, <laughs> you were being recorded. Okay, <laughs> had the button the wrong way. This morning, we're going to use our one time, and I want to congratulate Eastridge uh, on something we, we rarely accomplish, and I saw over 40 people on time this morning. <laughs> uh, it was fairly full in here when we started worship. It was amazing. I know a lot of you walked in at 9.15 utterly confused because you've never had that feeling of being on time. And uh, let me just say, I think the Lord is pleased with you this morning. <laughs> this morning, we're going to talk about prayer, uh, because in about two days, we will embark on one of the most insane things we do, and that is create a New Year's resolution, which most of you who are fairly disciplined will keep for two weeks, and the super disciplined will maintain it for six months, and then they'll forget what their resolution was all about. And this morning what I want to do is I want to talk to you about something that really I think all of us should be taking into our New Year's resolution. This should be your life resolution here. And that is to become a man or a woman of prayer. A person who has a passion to be in communion with God all the time, unceasingly. It is something that um, many years ago, God, I don't know, laid a desire on my heart when I met certain people who had an active prayer life, and I began to embark on this time of prayer, and it's been an incredible journey. And it's one I don't do on my own. My, my family, my parents, my brothers, my, my uh, immediate family, my wife and my kids, we're all learning more and more how to pray more and more every day. With that said, I will say there's a lot I would like to still pray. There's still a lot more I'd like to, to do. I'd like to spend more time in prayer with God. Um, that is my desire every year, is just to get more time with Him as much as I can. And today I want to just share some thoughts, share some ideas with you about how to open up your prayer life, how to really get something amazing going to the point where prayer isn't like this, oh, i got to pray. I just really want to eat. <laughs> to really, it becomes this idea like, I get to spend time with God, and I cannot wait. That's what I hope to create today. That's the desire. Now, since we only have one service, I normally turn in about 20 slides, but since we combine them, I thought, let's go 40. <laughs> so... We will go fairly fast, because I know a lot of you got better things to do, but I really hope today when you leave, every one of you will at least pause and ponder what it would be like if all of Eastridge was praying dynamically with the Lord, all the time, every day. I think you would find it empowering, mesmerizing, and incredible. Are you ready? Yes. Prayer is not primarily an activity we do to tell God what we want. It is primarily a time for God to reveal what He wants from us. One of the biggest misconceptions about prayer is that it's us talking to God. When in reality, if you look at Scripture, prayer is really about you listening to God. It's, it's a time where you listen and God reveals something to you. He wants you to do this or that or whatever. 
And when you go and do it, what's amazing is that you know he's there walking with you. I don't know if you've ever, like, you've seen little children, but you can tell when a little child is lost, when they can't find their parents. They know their parents aren't nearby. They're looking around. They get that frantic face. But you can also see a little child who walks, like, with gusto. I've got this little girl that uh, we're fostering right now, and she holds our hand, and she walks with just absolute amazing pride. She loves to walk around with us, and just, she is fearless. She'll talk to everybody most days and everything because we're there with her. And a person who is listening to God and in prayer has that, that, that feeling, that, that um, utter unexplainable joy and peace in their life. They walk with confidence. They walk in life almost completely fearless of the circumstances life will bring because they know their Father is with them. And that is what prayer is. Prayer is about us learning to to listen to God. And that's what we're going to talk about today. How do we listen to God more and more in an active way every day? Because here's the real secret. And it's not really a secret at all. It's actually an anti-secret. I don't even know if that's a word, but it is today. God is there and He is not silent. God is there and He is not silent. In Romans chapter 1, the book of Romans starts out with this beautiful, beautiful like uh, expose on uh, God and the fact that He's not silent. And right in the middle of Romans, it's, uh, chapter 1, it says this, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it, is the, it has the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentiles. For in the gospel... The righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Notice that word, suppress the truth. You're going to get what this means here in just a second. Since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, that's the part of God we can't see, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that the people are without excuse. For although they knew God, they neither glorified Him as God nor gave Him thanks, but their Thinking became futile, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal human beings and birds and animals and reptiles. What Romans 1 opens up with is saying that God is clearly seen, and the problem with humanity is they suppress what they see. They ignore what they see. They ignore the evidences of God his eternal power, his glory, his invisible qualities. I don't know how many of you ever walked in, but the first time my wife and I, we came to East Ridge, I, I walked in, I thought, man, this is kind of a neat little, it's a neat church. That's my thought, neat church. Because it was kind of like subdued, it's pretty relaxing in here. You know, and you come in, and you sit down, it's like, it's almost like a movie theater. You know, you're like, wow, this is going to be great. But you know what's interesting? I don't know if you've ever walked in like Wyoming, done a hike in Wyoming at nighttime when the Milky Way is above you. 
That's some serious awesomeness. We used to go to a lake with a bunch of high schoolers uh, for a camp, and we would lay on the houseboats at night and look up at the stars and the Milky Way. It was almost freaky. It's like you're floating in space. It was amazing. Because the invisible qualities of God are clearly seen. We just suppress it all the time. We just take it for granted. I know this is fo- it's the end of football season, a little bit of a depressing time for a few of us, because football will soon be done. And so we have to go six months in anticipation of the next season. And some of us are rooting for teams that are just horrid, and I pray for you daily. I pray that you will find joy one more time if you root for anything in Oregon. But there's nothing better than when you go to a football game. And how many of you have ever had a friend that got to go to a football game and they go, we had the best seats in the house, 50-yard line seats. I am convinced, and I'm going to tell you why, I'm convinced that we have the best seats in the universe. We're on the 50-yard line. I want to I just I wanna show you how you suppress things all the time. You do it all the time. You, don't, you just don't realize it. People are like, I can't hear God, I can't hear God. And I'm like, eh, you just suppress it. You're just so used to tuning God out. But we have the best seats in the house. Let me show you something interesting. This is amazing. There's actually, um, I'm going to show you some stuff. I'll tell you where you can read more about it. But we have the best seats in the house, 50-yard line. I want to show you a picture of the Milky Way galaxy. This is the Milky Way above the Milky Way. So the Milky Way is a flat spiral galaxy. All right? This is, this is where we live in the universe. Now, there's some interesting things that you should know about the planet Earth. And I won't even have time to go into the hundreds of amazing things that situate us on the 50-yard line to observe God's creation. But a lot of scientists have started realizing this, and they're like, you know what's weird is that a lot of planets, in fact, most planets that have an atmosphere, you can't see through that atmosphere. But the Earth, you can see pretty clearly actually through it. We have minimum noise through our atmosphere. Um, And what's even crazier is that we're not actually in those star clusters there. You see the big cluster in the middle. We're not even in the spiral arms. We're actually between two spiral arms. Next slide. We're actually... We're actually in between the Perseus and uh, Sagittarius arm of the the Milky Way. So if you look at the middle there, it says the sun. We're actually right in between two spiral arms of the Milky Way galaxy. That's where we are. And a lot of scientists, astrophysicists, astrobiologists have realized that, hey, what's crazy about that is if we were in one of the arms, not only would it be more dangerous for us, but we wouldn't be able to see the whole universe. But what's weird is our solar system is in between two arms in a flat spiral galaxy. So guess what? We can see most of the universe. We can see a big chunk of the universe. And what's even crazier is we have an atmosphere we can actually see through. And there's so many other amazing things. In fact, there's a whole book written on this called Privileged Planet, where these guys talk about all the amazing things about our earth. It's almost as if someone put us on the 50-yard line to see him. And the probability, by the way, of this is so astronomical, it's, not even, it's, not, it's, it's amazing. One, one trillionth of a chance of getting this. We are in a privileged, speak, in a privileged spot to observe God's wonder. Yet what does the world do every day? They suppress it. I can't see God. 
Really? I don't know how many times I've talked to someone, they said the best time, my best prayer times are out when I'm walking in nature, hiking. When I was a young uh, kid, we lived in Texas, okay? And I don't know if you've been to Texas, but there's not really much to look at. And we came here to visit my uncle uh, here in Portland one year. Uh, he was, uh, he's a, was a firefighter with the Forest Service, and we came to visit him. And my brothers and I were blown away by the mountains and the trees and the rivers and the fact there was no cowboys on the street. We were blown away. And I remember we went on a hike. We hiked the Multnomah Falls because that's what you do. And here are a bunch of hicks. We're walking up Multnomah Falls. Now, first thing I noticed was I've never walked uphill before. <laughs> so, so I had a hard time breathing. But I will never forget, I was, uh, I was a freshman in high school when we did this. We moved here my junior year of high school. I was a freshman, and I thought, I could live here. And I didn't really know God very well then. I mean, I, I knew about him. I went to church because, you know, in Texas, everybody goes to church. But I didn't know him yet. And, but there was a peace when I was hiking. Something amazing. When I finally came to Christ, um, I hiked all the time because it was the time I could settle my mind enough and just be with Him. I went night hiking, I went day hiking. I've multiple times hiked from the bottom of Multnomah Falls all the way to the top of Mount Lar uh, Larch Mountain. I love hiking. And the reason I love hiking so much is because I get to be with Him, the God who is not silent. I find a tremendous peace when I stand in the universe that God created for us to see, to show us He is there. And I want God to speak to me. I love it. We just spent uh, Christmas over in Central Oregon, and it snowed on us on Christmas Day. I love it. I love it when He shakes open the snow on Christmas Day, just like, woo! awesome. So why do we suppress the truth? How do we suppress the truth, maybe you're thinking? Let me give you three scenarios. As we stand on this privileged planet and we get to look up at the Milky Way and the universe that's beyond that to billions of galaxies that we can see, all right, once you figure that out, I mean, that's amazing in itself. God's power, His invisible qualities are un- unbelievably big. But you stand there, and there's only three ways this all happened. Three. I'm going to just, I want you to think about how we suppress the truth, okay? Just think about this for just a second. This is how foolish our societies become. Because we look at this, and we think there's three ways this came. Number one, Francis Schaeffer says, the first basic answer is that everything that exists has come out of absolutely nothing. Which means there must be no energy, no mass, no motion, no personality. That's option number one. There was nothing, and then there was something. Scratch your head a second. Remind yourself, in cause and effect, not likely. This is not a likely scenario. Option number two. The second possible answer is that the, in the area of existence is that all that now is had an impersonal beginning. And if you look at current physics, that's what they're saying. Something impersonal, like string theory or dimensional theory or whatever, something created the universe in the Big Bang fashion that we have now. But it was impersonal. And the third option 
The third answer is to begin with a personal beginning. Someone personal existed in all eternity. Francis Schaeffer, in the book, he is there and he is not silent, gave those three options. Nothing to something. Impersonal something creates the universe and somehow you get personal. Or we began with something personal in the beginning. Anyone who thinks about it long enough and logically will conclude that only option three makes sense. How is it that we're all sitting here today and, the, and Katie and, and Andy and the team are up here and they're, they're singing this worship and somehow we're connecting? Are we impersonal? How am I communicating my thoughts to you right now? Impersonal? The universe screams a personal being. We can see it, yet so many of us suppress the truth. Do you get it? It's obvious. It's plain. God is speaking, and He is not silent. People who say God is silent, and I'm just like, well, I want to know what this is. What is this if God is silent? What is the Scripture? You have to at least explain it. Sure, you can say it's 66 books made up by man over a period of a couple thousand years. You can say that, 1,500 years, let's go 1,500 years. You can say that. But when I read the Scripture and I see the continuity between the Scripture and 66 books telling the same story, I dare you to answer that. I dare you to answer, how did we get the very Word of God? You have to at least answer that if you're going to say God is not there. God is there and He wants to talk to His people. He wants to be there and talk to you all the time. Here's what Albert Einstein said. This is awesome. He's often misquoted, but this is what he said. The eternal mystery of the world is its comprehensibility. The fact that it is comprehensible, meaning you understand it, or we're beginning to understand it, is a miracle. Albert Einstein. Have you ever thought about that? How is it that we, I mean, quantum mechanics, quantum physics, astrobiology, all this stuff, we can understand it. Isn't that a miracle? How many of you listened to Christmas music the last month? Come on. Did you do it because you had some mechanical impulse, or did you do it because you enjoyed it? You enjoyed it. Where did enjoyment come from? Why do you enjoy anything? Because he is not silent. Are you getting it? So why is it that we don't see God or hear God or how come, Chris, I, I go through my day and I've been going to church all my life and, and I just don't hear him all the time? And I think, whoa, whoa, I just knocked it out. Dwayne's ears are bigger than mine, just FYI. <laughs> Uh-oh. All right, good. Whew. Crisis averted. That just means Dwayne's a better listener. He's here right now and sorry, Dwayne. 
You're just a better listener than I am. Why can't we hear God? And here's what I think it is. How many of you remember the old uh, tune-in FM AM radios, like this one? Remember this one? Like anybody who's like, you know, over 20 years old probably remembers this a little bit. I'm waiting for these to come back in style, by the way, because, you know, records have come back in style and all that. I'm suspecting that, you know, people eventually, you know, that's how we are. We're a fad society. Okay, because we're foolish people. Anyway, I'm sorry. So, says the man who's wearing Nike shoes and a cool blessed sweater. Yeah, you guys notice, right? I match. My wife was pretty proud of me. Okay, wow. All right, you remember this radio? Okay, remember these radios? You could you tune it in. So those of you who don't remember these radios, you turn the knob and the needle moves. And if you want like 103.3, you tune into like 103 and hope you're in the .3 section, right? And you could start hearing music come in. Okay, but. When you go to bigger cities and stuff back in the old days, like, you know, 15 years ago, um, you used to be able to, remember you could tune in things and you'd get like multiple stations? Like you might get a good Hispanic station with your country music, (laughs) you know, right? You guys remember that? You could get like two stations. I'm convinced of this. This is, I'm convinced of this fundamental truth. God has given us a way to tune into him, but we are tuned into so many other stations that we just can't even hear them anymore. I'm convinced of it. People who have a diminished prayer life are distracted, discouraged, tuned into all the wrong things in this world. You know? I mean, when we come to church and the most exciting thing we can talk about is the football game we just watched, and I'm guilty of that, or, you know, who won American Idol or whatever show's on now. I don't watch those stupid shows. But anyway, you know, or, you know, what happened in Blacklist, that's a good show, but, you know, Blacklist, whatever. We don't come in and go, dude, the Holy Spirit was speaking to me. Oh my gosh. You know what he wants us to do? Do, do, do. We don't have those conversations because we're tuned in everywhere. Life is very distracting. Believe me, I work with cops and firefighters on a full-time basis. It is crazy discouraging how distracted they get. Crazy how distracted our culture gets, our society gets. But if we tune into God, if we tune into God and we get it just right, and I'm going sh- to share some thoughts on how to do that today, but if you tune into God, if you tune into God, I promise you will see him move. I promise. Even before I had a, 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 an active prayer life, even in Bible college, I went to Bible college, you know, learned it, didn't have a great prayer life. You know, I'd pray a couple times a week. I remember they used to, at Multnomah, they would cancel classes for a day, and you had to go to prayer all morning long, and I, I hated that. I thought that was boring. And what I didn't know at the time was, like, we all pray differently, and Multnomah was trying to make you pray the same and all that, but they fixed that later. But I just remember thinking, man, I should not have this attitude toward prayer. I really shouldn't. And you know what the problem was is that I wasn't hearing God. Because when you start hearing God, then you want to pray. I get woke up multiple times, all the time, at like 2 in the morning. Who knows why? Probably because I'm unhealthy and have weird stuff happening in my body. But anyway. <laughs> but I'll wake up, and it's a weird. And I'll do this. I'm like, Lord, you woke me up. And I always blame the Lord, because why not? <laughs> and I'm like, Lord, I'm awake. What would you like me to do? And sometimes he'll do things like, Chris, I want you to get up, and I want you to go pray 
for all your kids. I want you to just go through the house and pray for you. I kid you not. So here I am, you know, walking around, and I wear jammies, and, um, and I'm praying for my kids. Or Chris, I want you to go for a walk. I want you to go outside and just, I mean, and it's just awesome. And now when I wake up, I'm almost excited to have God wake me up. I really am. Because I want to spend time with God, and I love it. There's so many times where I'll be in the middle of a neighborhood, and I'll just be, be crying because God's speaking. It's amazing when you get in tune with God. You want to pray. You want to pray. And it's weird. This is how God works. And I'm going to tell you a couple of real-life stories, okay? I've got time. Fifteen minutes. We're good. I'm going to tell you some stories that have happened to me. These are real live, and I've got so many I could share. I spent time writing down all these answered prayers, but I just want to tell you a few that have happened to me. One time, kid you not, this is how much God cares. We oftentimes think we got to pray for the big stuff, okay? Big stuff. Got to pray for the big stuff. But listen to this. One time, we, we had bought our first home in Sandy, and I remember my tools were just scattered everywhere. I had a toolbox and not everything fit in. And I remember this specific prayer. I'm like, Lord, I would love to get a toolbox, a nice toolbox. And we were poor. I'm in ministry. Um, and, uh, and, and I would like to get a toolbox to put my tools in. Simple prayer, right? Kid you not. My brother calls. He goes, hey, Chris, we're moving to uh, the Midwest. I've got a red toolbox. I thought you might need it. Okay? Crazy, right? God, God's not silent. Okay, he cares about the little... I remember when he, that prayer got answered, I'm like, God, I was just kind of kidding around. That's like, <laughs> that's like small stuff. And God says, I love you even through the small stuff. Everything can go to him. How many of you, when you need something, you just open the Amazon app? Come on. Maybe you should pray about it. I'm just saying, now, I'm not perfect. I got Amazon app. It's right there. I go one flick this way and push. I know exactly where it is. But I look back at the purchases I've made because I can look at the history and I go, what a waste of money. So many things I didn't need because God is there and he wants to have a relationship with you and there's no purchase you can make that will fill the void in your heart. I remember one time I was in Africa, in Morocco, and I remember our field leader, the lady who was leading us, we were smuggling Bibles in and sneaking them into villages and stuff, and I remember our field leader was like, hey, we got to pray, my father doesn't know the Lord, and so a bunch of us started praying. About a week or two later, we found out that her father came to Christ. Now, she's North, uh, she's not North Korean, sorry, South Korean gal named Wajan, and her father, South Korean, and he was a Buddhist, he worshipped the Buddha. I don't know what that means, but that's what he did. Okay, so we prayed for the Father, and what's amazing is we got a report that he came to Christ because he had a vision. He had a vision of Christ in his dreams. And that happened to me twice because I had a Mormon friend who came to Christ through a vision. I saw an assistant chief rededicate his life to Christ through a vision, through a dream. And they all had kind of a similar dream. They saw Jesus on the cross and he was fading away. That is three things I've seen personally. I know these people personally. Heard their story directly from them. They, none of the three knew each other. God is not silent. Then 
I remember one time Chief uh, Bob Vernon, um, he was a former assistant chief in L.A., and he shares a story when he was, I would say, a sergeant or lieutenant level. He used to give this young, uh, young LAPD officer a ride to work every day. Um, the LAPD officer showed up late to roll call a couple times, and you don't do that. So Bob, being the lieutenant, went up to him and said, hey, why are you late? He goes, because I don't have a ride. I always have to catch the bus, and I always miss a bus. He says, I'm going to give you a ride every day. So for about a year and a half, he gave this young man a ride to, to, to uh, LAPD to, the, to a shift every day. Over that time, Bob was able to lead this young man to Christ. And about two years after this young man came to Christ, he was shot and killed in the line of duty. Fast forward 10 years. Bob Vernon is traveling the world and he's speaking. And he goes to a, a, a small island you may know of, Hawaii, right? He goes to Hawaii. And he's, he's speaking at this uh, church. And by the way, this officer he led to Christ was Samoan. And he's speaking at a church, and this lady comes up to him, and she goes, I don't know if you know, and I don't remember the kid's name, I think his name was Eric, I don't know if you knew Eric, but if you knew Eric, you know, and he goes, oh, I did know Eric, he's the guy, I drove him to work every day because he was late. And they go, all we want to know is, did he ever come to know Jesus before he died? And Bob was able to look him, in, and this is crazy, Bob was able to look him in the eyes and go, yeah, not only did he, he came to Christ in my car one day to work. And they say, we've just been praying, we wanted to know. God is not silent. Bob shared that story with us multiple times. God is not silent. He does care. He does listen. He does speak. God performs a series of miracles every day for those of us who choose to come and be with Him. I've seen multiple friends come to Christ because of prayer. I've seen some of the hardest Police officers come to Christ through prayer. And firefighters. People, I guarantee if you would have known him, you would have said, no way does that dude ever follow Jesus. And God's like, watch this. Not only that, one of the hardest guys that came to Christ, I, wasn't, I didn't know him very well when he came to Christ, knew him peripheral, but I'd heard about him. But now that guy leads ministry dynamically all over the, the U.S., reaching first responders. I have seen prayer work at dynamic levels because I'm willing to tune out as best I can, and I'm not perfect. If my wife were up here, she'd be like, yeah, he doesn't tune out. <laughs> but when I tune out this and I focus and just on him and say, God, I'm, you know, now I even select the TV shows I'll watch based on whether it will tune out God or not. I literally ask myself that question now. I started a show a couple days ago, and it was, I didn't really know much about it. We started first 30 minutes. I'm like, whoa, this is going to tune me out. And that desperation, I shut off the show, and I'm like, I'm done. I don't want to be with God. I want to be able to hear Him clearly. So how do you hear God clearly? Here's how you hear God. How do you know what to tune into? How do you know you got the right channel? How do you know you're not listening to yourself? This is how you do it. If I were to one day tell you there's a brilliant uh, theologian and philosopher named Ravi Zacharias, and I want you to listen to him on the radio, you would go, well, I want to hear him. And he's brilliant and all this. And you say, well, how do I know? I'm like, well, this is what you do. You listen for a dude who's really, really smart, and he's going to have a heavy uh, Indian accent. And, you know, that eliminates pretty much everybody on the radio, at least in America. So one day you're tuning in, tuning in, tuning in, and all of a sudden you hear an Indian dude and he's giving these brilliant apologetics for the existence of God. 
you can safely assume that's Robbie. And the more you listen and the more you hear, and then one day they say his name, and all of a sudden you're like, I'm tuned in. So how do you tune in? How do you know what the voice of God sounds like? And that's where this comes in. This is the key to hearing and tuning in to the voice of God. We just need to become better at just reading his scripture and learning what his voice sounds like. About 80% of the time when God speaks to me, all he's doing is revealing a passage. I'll say something and it'll go, oh, do you remember? And I usually don't even remember the passage. I don't remember like the reference. I know kind of where it is. Do you remember what I said in Matthew? Oh yeah, Lord, that's right. That's usually what it is. 80% of the time, how I clearly know it's the voice of God is I'm in his word on a daily basis. I'm devouring this as much as I can for the most important activity of my life. The most important activity of my life is prayer with God. That's how you know if you're tuning in or not. If you do not have an active time in the word of God, in the scripture, you are going to have a hard time understanding if you're tuned in or not. I'm just saying. If you are not in the Scripture, hear me, listen, if you're not in the Scripture on a regular basis, you will have a hard time tuning in to God. Prayer will be boring to you because it's not very interesting to listen to yourself except to you. I, I don't know, are we sleeping? Getting a little nappy? That's how it is. This is how it works. God hasn't, he hasn't been hiding himself from the world. He's been screaming at the world. And not only do we have to get into his word, but to tune into God, the key characteristic of tuning into God is obey his word. He has given you so many things to obey. He has told you how to do it. Romans 8, 5 through 6 says this, those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on, on the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, that's not good, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. Continuing on in Romans 8, 26 through 27, in the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness, we do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through, the, the, through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit inter- intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. Isn't that amazing? The Holy Spirit prays for us. Those of you who are new to prayer, don't worry about it. Guess what? The Holy Spirit's like, whoo, here we go. He's learning to listen. She's learning to listen. It's exciting. I'm telling you, when you do it, you will catch me out there. You go, okay, I started praying, and this is pretty cool. I remember one time, a good friend of mine, he prayed. It was a simple prayer, and he couldn't wait to get on the phone with me and tell me his prayer. And when I heard the prayer, I'm like, ah, oh, it's kind of an easy prayer. And the Lord's like, Chris, come on. You prayed for a toolbox. <laughs> come on, buddy. And I'm like, you know what? This is exciting. He got a glimpse of the God who is not silent. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. Okay, 
right here, baby. I'll just tell you right now, I'm sarcastic. I'm, I am so sorry. I really, and I'm not, I'm not being sarcastic right now. <laughs> I really am not. I'm sarcastic. I gossip. I slander. And when you do that, you are just tuning right out. You're ripping the radio right out. It says it in the scripture. Do not let any unwholesome talk out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger. If I didn't drive, I would probably have this nailed. (laughs) Nothing bugs me more than a bad driver. Anyway, okay, brawling and slander all along of every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ God forgave you. Are you starting to get it? Are you starting to see ways maybe you're tuning God out? Maybe not. Okay, let's go ahead. Another one. For God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. Therefore, anyone who rejects this instruction does not reject a human being, but God. Do you get it? The very God who gives you His Holy Spirit. How many of you, for your New Year's resolution, want to reject God? Read His Scripture. He shows you how. 1 Thessalonians 5.19, do not quench the Spirit. Here's what's happened. A lot of you have been following Christ for a long time. The Holy Spirit's been talking to you a long time, and you have been suppressing the Holy Spirit a long time. It's going to take you a little bit to start hearing the Word again. I remember one time when I started my prayer life, got really going. I remember one time there was a show I liked to watch. It's to you, it might have been innocent. I, I'm not even going to say the show. It's a fairly innocent show. It's like PG or something. But I was watching it. The whole time I'm watching it, I remember thinking that I could hear God going, I don't like this show. I do not like this show. I do not like this show. And I'm like, come on, Spirit, stop speaking. Come on, turn up the volume. I do not like this show. I do not like this show. I do not like this show. And I turned off the show. And he says, oh, that's so much better. And I realized then my tendency is to quench the Spirit. I have to be active about not quenching the Spirit when He speaks. Here's one for us married folks. 1 Peter 3, 7. Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life. What he's saying there is that they're physically weaker, but that they're heirs. They're the same level as us as far as uh, the kingdom with you of the gracious gift of life, so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Here's what it's saying. If you and your wife have conflict, there's a good chance your prayers are being hindered. That means this, the Lord is intentionally ignoring you. And if you don't believe that's a good theology, He does it all through the Old Testament all the time. When he sees injustice, injustice, when he sees gossip and slander, when he sees broken relationships, he is great at saying, nope, not listening till you get that fixed. I know that's hard to hear because we like to hear the good stuff. 
oh, Chris, can you talk about forgiveness? Nope. Because I want you to have an awesome prayer life. We got to dive into the truth. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. This is one of the best passages. This is Romans chapter 12. I, I think this, this may be Danae's favorite passage, but I, I don't know. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Does that mean that our bodies may have to go through some discomfort? Okay, a few people said yes. Everybody's in disbelief. <laughs> Is it possible God may want you to be uncomfortable? Yes. Oh, we can do this all day. Yeah. <laughs> Is it possible God may want you to be uncomfortable? Yes. Thank you. I know it's hard. Covenant churches, it's hard to talk. If you guys all have a cup of coffee in your hand, you can talk all day. Believe me, I can't get you to be quiet. Okay. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Change the way you think. Then you will be able to test and prove what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. What this is saying this is present your bodies. Do the things that cause a little bit of pain with your body for Him. Okay, and you, all of you right now could start praying and God will reveal what those are. Where do I need a sacrifice, Lord? Where do I need a sacrifice? That's the prayer. Where do I need a sacrifice, Lord? All right? And then he'll do this. He'll begin to work your mind and transform it until the very day, and I'll, I'll never forget this, when you pick up the Word of God and you read it because you know it's true and you pray with the power of that God intended. The power to move mountains. When you learn the will of God, how do you do that? Present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Transform. Allow your mind to be transformed by the truth of God. Attain the same worldview that Jesus had. What was his worldview? Utter dependence on God the Father to do his will through him. So what happens, and we're getting a little over time, so I just want everybody to calm down. I know those of you who looked at your watch in the last five minutes, shame on you. <laughs> what happens when God says no, though? I think so many people are afraid to talk to God because they're afraid that God will say no. What happens when God says no? And we have a powerful example of God saying no in the Gospels. In Matthew, it says this, then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. Okay, So his team, his hand-selected team of disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the, two, uh, and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Okay, This is Jesus. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow, to the point of death, stay here and keep watch with me. He's saying, stay here and watch with me. Listen with me. Let's pray together. Going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. What cup is that? Well, he's about to die on the cross. 
Yet not as I will, but as you will. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Renew your thinking. It's not about Jesus at this point. It's about what God the Father wants to do. And he doesn't want to do it. That is very clear in the Scripture. But he says, you know what, Lord, though? I will do whatever you ask me to do. Then he returned, returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. I am so that disciple. <laughs> yeah, 8 o'clock, time for night-night. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. In that hour, Jesus said, uh, in that hour, Jesus said to the crowd, so, oh, I'm sorry, go back. You already changed the slide, didn't you? Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Uh, okay, sorry, I read that one. So that's Matthew 26 through 36. So here's what's happening. Jesus is basically prays three times to God the Father to take away the cup. And that cup is that he's got to go die on the cross for all of humanity. And I mean, rightfully so, if any of you had to do that, you would probably throw out a little prayer that says, hey, Lord, if I don't have to do this, that would be great. Am I right? Yes. Okay, that's what's happening. Jesus is praying that. But he's ending it every time, Lord, but not my will, but your will be done. Here's what's happening. Jesus' fear of God, his humility, and his love for people is greater than his fear of the circumstance. That's what's happening. It's really simple. All the way through Scripture, it's talking about fear the Lord, fear the Lord, fear the Lord. What that really means is, do you feel the circumstance, fear the circumstance, or do you fear the Lord? And you can tell. When the circumstance hits, what do you do? What do you do? I'm learning more and more, and I'm not perfect at this by any means, but I'm learning more and more to say, you know what? I don't know what's going on right now, but you know what? I'm going to go to the Lord. He's got something brewing here. God will say no. And next it says that in the hour Jesus said to the crowd, am I leading a rebellion that you have come out with swords and clubs? So the men are coming to capture Jesus. Every day I sat in the temple courts teaching and you did not arrest me. He's basically like, you didn't come get me whenever we were around everybody. You're catching me at nighttime in the secret woods because you know people would not be happy. But this has all taken place that the writings and the prophets may be fulfilled. And then here is, I think, Matthew 26, 56 is the loneliest verse in the universe. Then all the disciples deserted him and fled. I want you to think about this for just a second. God is a personal God. He loves you. How do we know that? Well, because you're personal and you want to love people and you want to be loved. Because God is not silent. You all have a desire to be in relationships. That's why you talk to people. That's why men get together and they watch football. Because they can't do it face to face. They're a little bit chicken. So they do it shoulder to shoulder, right? We love to be in relationship. We love to talk to people. I go to coffee, not because I enjoy coffee. I enjoy coffee. I've got a friend, Mike, over here. We do a lot of coffees every week. Why? Because we like to talk to people. We love relationship. We get married to someone who's foreign to us, and their ways are foreign to us because we desire to be in relationship. 
We are designed to be in relationship because God is designed to be in relationship. And right here in Matthew, this is what happens. Jesus, who is the very word that was there at the beginning, who is the author and perfecter of our faith, Jesus loses his relationship with the Father briefly because the Father says, no, no, I'm not taking the cup. You've got to die. And then he loses his relationship from his own disciples, his best his 12 chosen, desert and flee him. He is all alone. This is the loneliest verse in all the Scripture. What happens when Jesus says no? He glorifies himself in a manner and a way that will blow your mind. And all of humanity for 2,000 years sits and looks at this Christmas, and they either accept it or they reject it, but they have to deal with it because God says no. God says, my will be done. So, I just ask, I mean, like, how many of you want to go and be with that Lord? How many of you want to go pray? You know, it's interesting. Prayer fundamentally is about us being reconciled to God where we're communicating directly with the God, the maker and creator of the universe again. And what he desires out of us for our prayer life to be full, catch this, it's really simple, is he wants our relationships with the people here to be good. No gossip and slander, forgiveness, so that our relationship up here is good and then we're tuned in. Then we can hear God then we are ready. I challenge you all this new year, I challenge you, if you can't do it on your own, get some prayer, get a partner, get a couple people, maybe it's you and your spouse, whatever, and say, I want to pray more. I want to hear God because he's not silent. I guarantee you this, I will guarantee you this, your life will be fundamentally changed the more you pray. I'm speaking from firsthand experience. I'm telling you right now, it is awesome and amazing. Let's pray. Lord God, I just thank you so much that you still speak. Help Eastridge, help my brothers and sisters in this room hear you more this year than ever. Lord, may we just be in awe. Lord, scare us a little bit. <laughs> Do something amazing to blow us, blow us, blow our minds. Lord, help us to tune into you and tune out of all the fake stuff that will just rob the peace and joy that we have with you. Lord, help us hang with you more and more this year. And that is the only resolution worth keeping. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said,